Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Wonderful to be in God's house with God's people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to get you to turn to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. We are beginning a new series of lessons that will go for several Sunday mornings and uh, hopefully be a blessing and encouragement to you to feel like the Lord has led me in this way. And uh, we just want to do what the Lord wants us to do. Amen. Bless the Lord. But before we get to reading that scripture, we have a, a little bit I want to go through that will help to provide a platform and to introduce a concept that is important for us to understand as we go into this series of lessons. In our lives as little children, when we are infants and we grow, we begin to learn our parents and our teachers, once we start attending school, they, they teach us, they educate us by starting out with very, very simple concepts. For example, if we consider mathematics, we, we remember, or at least hopefully we remember, that we started learning simply how to count. One, two, three, and on it went. Maybe they, we used little blocks or some sort of toy or token that was able to show us visibly that there was one and then there was two. And then gradually over time, we, we learned to put numbers together. We learned that if you put a, a couple of numbers together, you got a different number. And if you look at the first slide on the wall, this is about as simple an example as we can get today, that one plus one equals two. And that's, that's one of the early things that we learn when we're just little children. But then slowly... As our understanding grows and our ability to, to work things out is growing, teachers begin to use larger numbers. They begin to teach us how to subtract, how to divide, how to multiply. Many of us learnt our times tables when we were little children in primary school by, by just saying them over and over and over. We chanted those times tables until they were embedded in our minds. And when we learn English or whatever your first language may happen to be today, it's similar. We start out with very basic concepts. We start out with learning the alphabet, A, B, C. We learn to recognize different letters, and then we, we learn to recognize, as we recognize the letter, we also learn to connect a particular sound, or even more than one sound, with that letter. And then after a while, we learn to put those letters into words, we learn how to spell words. We learn how to put words into sentences, sentences into paragraphs, and so on and so on. And then they want us to write essays and stories and reports. And all of these things are learning tools. And that's why we go to school to do those things. But all of this learning, when we talk about maths or we talk about English, all starts out with very simple concepts. And those concepts are built upon one step or one layer at a time. But then somewhere along the way in our schooling, somewhere along the way in that school life, usually I think for most of us in high school, the teachers did something that was very confusing. They mixed numbers and letters together. Well, some of us remember what I'm talking about today. And we ended up with problems that looked like this second slide, which just says 1 plus x equals 2. And they've put them together and all of a sudden many of us went hang on what's happening here english and maths are supposed to be separate and now they've put them together and when you get a very simple problem like this one plus x equals two 
we understand that 1 plus 1 equals 2, so it's not too hard for us to work out that the x equals 1. Because we already know that 1 and 1 is 2, therefore 1 plus x equals 2, the x must be a 1. And hopefully we can get that today. So if, if I already know that the x equals 1, why did they put it there in the first place? Why not just leave it at 1 plus 1 equals 2? Why confuse the situation and introduce this letter into my mathematics? And the reason for that is, again, they're starting with simple concepts because some math problems that you will deal with afterwards are not as simple as 1 plus 1 equals 2. And if you look at the next slide on the wall, you'll see an example. It's x plus y equals 4. So now... We have two letters, X and Y, that both equal the number 4. The problem for solving this equation is that there are different combinations of numbers that can equal 4. As an example, 2 plus 2 equals 4. 1 plus 3 equals 4. 0 plus 4 equals 4. And this is where many of us got confused at school because when they put these letters into our mathematics... They could represent different numbers. They weren't always the same. You see, we understand the number 4. When we look at a slide that says x plus y equals 4, we know what 4 is. 4 is always going to be 4, just like 1 is always 1. When the Lord said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, He meant there's only one God. And we understand that 1 is 1, 2 is 2, 3 is 3. These things stay the same. Those things have been the same since when I went to school, my parents, my grandparents, and for as long as people have been going to school, the number four or any other number represents that same number. And so because numbers like this do not change, they're always the same. In mathematical problems, these numbers are sometimes called a constant. They are a constant. They remain the same. But the letters, X and Y, are not always the same. We looked at how they could, an X and a Y could represent different numbers in the equation. It could be 2 plus 2, it could be 3 plus 1, and so on. And so we don't always know what X and Y are. And because of this, in a mathematical equation, when we see letters like this, they are usually called variables, simply because they can vary or they can change. And what they represent is affected by the numbers and the rest of the problem around about them. I hope everybody understands this. I'm not interested in being a math teacher today, but if we can just get this basic concept, it will help us as we go through these series of lessons in the coming weeks. And see, one of the principles of maths is that when we have algebra or letters in the, in the equations is that the more of the constants that we know, like the more numbers we can see, the better equipped we are to be able to handle the things that are variable. And people that study high-end or high-level maths and science courses, like some of you brothers and sisters here have, they see some math problems that have numbers and letters and symbols that are much, much, much harder than these simple examples we're using this morning. My cousin Brendan lived with us for a couple of years while he was studying at Curtin University. And he was in his third and fourth year of mechanical engineering. 
And every once in a while, I'd maybe go into his room and look at what he was doing, and he'd show me some of the mathematics that he was working on. And to me, without any understanding of what he was doing, all I saw was a page filled with numbers and letters and symbols, and it, it looked like somebody had taken them all and thrown them up in the air, and they'd just fallen down all over the place. But he understood what he was doing. But I think even at that level of mathematics, that basic principle... And this is an important principle to remember as we go forward. That basic principle is that the more constants that you have, the more things that you know the value of in your equation, the better equipped you are to handle the variables. I want to say that again because this is important. The more constants that I have, the more things that I know the value of, the more things that are constant, the better equipped that I am and that you are to handle the variables. That's an important part of what we're going to be looking at in the next couple of weeks. And so with that slightly unusual introduction, we're going to begin a series of lessons called Constants and Variables. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord today. So Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. Thank you for your patience. The first half of that verse simply says, For I am the Lord... And I change not. The 119th Psalm, the 89th verse says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Jumping into the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So something we have to understand this morning is that God is the only one that can truly claim to be constant and to not change. By his own declaration, he does not change. Everything about us in this world and everything that is around us is subject to change. Even things that we think will never change often do because God is the only constant. Amen. Change is an inescapable part of life. We don't always like it, but in the natural, we grow. We get taller, we get stronger, we learn, we become more educated. We, we, our personalities develop. Even our walk with God needs to be a changing thing because we need to grow stronger in our relationship with God. We need to grow deeper in our understanding of the Lord and of His Word. And as we experience over time that relationship with God, we, we become we able to trust Him more because He's kept us through many things. And so even that is changing. And every day of our lives, you and I make decisions. We answer questions about what we are doing, about where we are going, about who we are becoming. Some of those questions are very simple. They don't need a lot of thought. What will I wear today? What will we eat today? They're, they're not really big questions. They're just the day-in, day-out questions. But life has a way of often throwing questions at us that are not so simple. And the reason that they're not simple is that they're like some of these mathematical problems. There are parts of the questions that life throws at us that are variable. Or in other words, they are changing. They're not always the same. They're not simple. In fact, you and I will always face things in our lives that are complicated, that don't necessarily have a one plus one equals two kind of an answer. And the decisions that we make can produce different results. 
because of the variables in those equations. The decisions that we make are usually based upon what we think is best at the time. Looking at the circumstance, we make the best decision that we can, and these decisions can have a huge impact on our future, the future of those that we're responsible for, our children, possibly grandchildren, our families, ourselves, our church. You see, God gave Israel in the Old Testament a lot of commandments, and they were given to be constant. They were not to change. God simply said, this is who I am. This is what I want you to do and who I want you to be. This does not change. But the nation of Israel got themselves into all kinds of trouble and into sin when they took the constants that God gave them and they turned them into variables, into things that they wanted to do. You see, they were commanded as just an example to have no other gods. They were not to worship idols. They were to worship the Lord and to worship Him only and to serve Him and to serve Him only. But when they disobeyed that commandment and they begin to worship the idols of the peoples that lived around about them, they took a commandment of God. They took something that God said was to be a constant and they changed it into a variable. And when you change the value of something that God says is a constant, and when you do that, you don't realize it, but you're going to get a different answer to your problem. Your situation is going to produce a different outcome. There are going to be consequences that maybe you weren't ready to handle because you changed something that God says is not to be changed. And when you do that, you change the outcome of your circumstance. Bless the Lord. When you change the value of something, This is another important principle today. When you change the value of something in your decision-making process, you change the outcome. Bless the Lord. So God is constant. He doesn't change. Now, when you and I come to the Lord and we make that decision of commitment and consecration, we want to serve God. We want to really serve God. We want to choose Him as the song says, to be the center of it all, to be the constant in our lives, to be the unchanging one, the one whose word that we anchor our faith in, the one whose word guides us, he leads us, he feeds us. Sometimes he even chastens us, he straightens us up. You see, when we make that decision, this newfound relationship with the one that loves us more than we can even understand can sometimes turn our lives upside down. Because you see, it's a new life. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of thinking. The Bible says that we become a brand new creature. So when you get out of bed on the next morning after you've been born again, after you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and you're just feeling the joy of the Lord, and it's almost like you're just still basking in His presence from the night before, when you get up in the morning and you throw open the front door to begin your day, life is still waiting for you. Life hasn't gone away. While you were asleep during the night, God hasn't sanitized your world and made everything smooth and beautiful for you, but life still waits for you when you're born again. And it still has questions. It still has problems. Life still has decisions that you have to make on a daily basis. And how you make those decisions is still going to impact the outcome of your life. You see, we're in a world that is changing. A world whose the values of our world are changing. 
the principles and the morals of our world are constantly changing. And so because of this, the world is always throwing variables at you. When you're making a decision, the world is throwing new things into the equation, things that don't remain the same but are constantly changing. And we have to consider how do we handle this as children of God. There are a lot of different areas of life that we could, we could talk about that uh, we could consider that are important in our decision-making process. But when I come to God, and I, I'm a, we're human. We're, we're not constant like God. We have ups, we have downs. But we take this, this human vessel, this clay vessel, and we enter into a relationship with a God who is constant. The more of Him, the more of His Word and the things that are in His Word that we are able to establish in our lives and to make a part of the decision-making process, the better our outcomes will be. Amen. And because, you know, his, if you imagine a new Christian standing here with the Lord and over here in this part of his life, we've got his decisions he has to make about his church involvement, what kind of ministry he thinks he might be able to be involved in. Then over here, he's got to make decisions about his lifestyle, about his entertainment and his social activities. And over on this side of his life are his finances and his material possessions. And then down here is his employment his career, possibly his study that's connected to that. And then there's a really big area of our lives we have to make decisions in. That's our relationships, family, friends, marriage, some really, really big decisions. And so what we are going to consider in the coming Sunday mornings is how the only constant, God, the only constant, with the only constant word gives us constants to add to the equations of our lives, to add to the decision-making processes of our lives. And the more constants that you can have established in your life, the more correct answers, the more right decisions, the more better solutions you will have in your life. Praise the Lord. Amen. You see, we live in a world that has chosen to discard or to throw away the constants of God and replace them with variables. And those variables are based simply upon what pleases their own desires, the things that please their flesh, the things that bring them pleasure. That's how they make the decisions. And so that depends on what happens in their lives, the things that appeal to them. Those things are always changing. Romans chapter 1 gives us some insight into the outcome of this kind of behavior. In Romans 1 and 25, it says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie. They changed something that was constant, and they made it into something that was false or variable. And it says, And they worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So mankind, is, this passage is talking about the wickedness and the godlessness of, of mankind. But it's saying that they took something that God said was true, that God said was right, that God said you do not change, and they changed it into a lie. They introduced a variable concept. Well, if we feel like this, they said it's about serving us. It's not about serving God anymore. It's about serving us. Amen. Now, as saints of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, if we do not settle some things, if we do not make up our minds, then the outcomes in our lives 
will always be up and down. We'll be very easily affected by things around about us in our environment, and there will be no consistency because we don't have some firmly established constants in our lives. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. But let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You look in the original language, that expression double-minded means two-spirited. We're not really sure who we are and where we're going. And in verse 8, it says that that man is unstable. Unstable means likely to change or to fail. Likely to change or to fail. The same epistle, James, a couple of pages later in chapter 4 and verse 8. Again, there's a similar warning. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. When we're inconsistent, when we're double-minded, when we're unstable, it brings impurity to our hearts because we don't have that singleness of purpose. Ephesians 4 and 14, the Apostle Paul said that we should not be like children anymore. We don't want to be tossed to and fro and up and down and and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. You know, that slight of men, the word slight is often used in an expression that talks about slight of hand. And that's something that's often used to describe people that do card tricks or, or, or illusions. And what they're doing is they're causing you to focus on one thing while they change something where you're not looking. That's, that's deception. It's, it's, it's corrupt. It's harmless in that environment to a certain degree, but that's what it's talking about. It's saying that people's, the deception of humanity and the craftiness of sinful humanity, we can very easily be tossed to and fro if we don't have some things established as constant in our lives we've got to have constants in our lives in first corinthians 14 and 20 the apostle paul said brethren be not children in understanding he said how be it in malice be ye children but in understanding be men there are things in the bible that we are encouraged to be childlike we're encouraged to have childlike faith the lord said except you be as a little child you won't be able to enter the kingdom of heaven there's that simplistic faith that children have that just believe and receive. And we need to have that. There's also those aspects, he said, in malice be ye children. In other words, children just forgive and forget and move on very easily. They're not usually spiteful. They're, they're not deliberately scheming to hurt somebody or to bring somebody down. But they get over things quickly. He said in that area, he said, be children. He said, but in the area of understanding, of knowing what you believe, he said, be men. Be grown up, be established, be constant, be consistent. Amen. We need to have constants in our lives from the Word of God. Now let me say something this morning that some of you may take the wrong way. I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I want my prayer life to be stronger. I want it to be better than it is. I want to know the Lord more in prayer. I want to have a greater nearness to God in my prayer time. And I believe that we should seek the Lord in our lives. I believe that we should seek the direction of the Lord in our decisions. But I also believe, I also believe that there are some things you don't need to pray about. 
Amen. The pastor's telling you this morning, there are some things you don't need to pray about. Why is that? Because there are some things that should already be settled in our lives. There are some things that from the Word of God, we already have said, that is a constant in my life. Let me give you some examples, and this might seem a little bit humorous, but it'll make the point. I don't have to pray and seek God's face about whether or not I should stay married to my wife. I don't have to wake up every day and say, Lord, do you want me to stay married again today? Because I made a decision when I got married that I did that in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible says that what God joins together, that no man should put asunder. And so biblically, I am required to be committed and faithful and loyal to my marriage until one of us dies. So I don't have to pray about that. That's, that's a constant that's already settled. It's done. I don't pray about whether or not I should come to church. I don't. I don't. It's not a decision. I don't pray every Wednesday morning and every Sunday morning, Lord, do you want me to go to the house of the Lord today? No, because the Bible says that it's a good thing for us to gather together. The Bible says that in that fellowship and the breaking of bread and the teaching of God's Word and that we should not neglect the, the coming together of ourselves, as the, particularly as we see the Lord's return approaching. So that, that's not something I need to pray about. That's a constant. Church is happening. I'm in the house of the Lord. Not just because I'm the pastor. That was my, I made that decision a long time ago. When I was a child, that decision was made for me by the spiritual head of my house. But as I entered into adulthood, I made a decision, and it was a good one, that when the house of God was open, I was going to be there. If church was on, I was going to be in the house of the Lord, whether it was two services a week, three services a week. Sometimes it might have been every night of the week for one thing or another, but I was going to be in church. That's a constant that's established. I don't have to pray about that. I don't have to pray about whether or not I should be a worshiper. The Bible says that he is always worthy, that he deserves all the glory and that all the honor, and that our praise and our worship for him should not be based upon what's going on around about us, but that we should always be willing to lift him up. I will bless the Lord at all times, is the principle of the word of the Lord. So you don't have to pray, Lord, should I be a worshiper today, or should I just sit down and do nothing? No, no, that should be a constant. I don't have to pray about whether or not I should consume drugs or alcohol. I know that those things are unhealthy, they're ungodly, they do not promote anything godly or holy in my life. It's done. It's a decision that's made. It's constant. I don't have to pray about whether or not I should be honest. It's a constant from the Word of God. Your Word should be va valuable. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't have uh, an unjust balance. Those things should be constant in our lives. There are just some things that are plain in the Word of God. And we need to establish them as constants in our lives, as points of reference so that when each day or each week life throws me a challenge or an equation or a problem or a question, I'm able to filter that through the constants that I have in my life. And that will help me to stay closer to the Lord. You know, it's not a popular concept in the world today or even in many churches, but separation is a part of salvation. I'll say that again. Separation is a part of salvation. Separating ourselves from sin, separating ourselves from sinful practices and places is a part of having a relationship with God. It's a part of drawing near to God and being holy as the Lord would have us to be holy in our lives. It's required of us by the Word of God. Amen. 
And so we need, we, as we go along in these next few weeks, we're going to look at some things that we should have in our lives as constants that will help us in our relationship with God. You see, repentance, genuine repentance, breaks the stronghold of sin in our lives. Baptism in Jesus' name washes that sin away. The infilling of the Holy Ghost gives us power to overcome sin and to live a life separate from sin. We need to be born again. That's where it all begins. That's, there's no point in having a lot of constants until we have that first. We need to be born of the water and the Spirit. We need to become the children of God to be saved, to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. But once we've been born again, and we have to live this life down here until He returns. And I believe He's coming back soon. Amen. The Lord's coming back soon. But while we wait for Him, and while we look for His return, we've got to walk this walk. We've got to live this life. We've got to put away the works of the flesh and allow the Spirit to produce fruit in us. We've got to try to please the Lord. We want to be worshipers of God. We want to be servants of the Lord and do the things that give Him glory and honor. And the more constants that I choose to place in my life based upon the principles and the commandments of the Word of God, the clearer my choices will be. The easier it is to make decisions when I've got these things established. And I will not be easily tossed to and fro by the things of this world because I have a rock. I have an anchor. I have somebody that I trust in who gives me His Word, that gives me direction and guidance for every day that I live in this life. Thank God for His Word this morning. Thank God that He gives us something to guide us. He doesn't leave us to stumble around in the dark and to know what, not know what to do. But He said, if we will look into His Word, David said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. If I've got the Word of God in my heart, if my understanding is growing, there are things that I can put in, my, in place in my life that will help me to be victorious in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. Would you stand together and let's just lift our hands and worship the Lord today.